The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Lower Decks, and uh, pardon uh, to all the Klingons out there, titled Wesh Douche. I probably got that wrong. I'm sorry for no, my pronunciation. pretty close. Okay. Wedge doge. <laughs> doge. Yeah. Okay. The D, the emphatic D is like the English D, but you pull your tongue farther back in your throat. Okay. Or in your mouth. Good. Good. I, I don't you know pro- if you Klingons, though. You, you probably did better pronunciation than the Discovery Klingons did, so. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, of course, as you heard, joining me today on the panel is Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, Thanks. Folks, be sure to follow The Secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on our YouTube channel, where you should hit the bell to get notifications. I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network that you'll definitely enjoy. If you like Secrets of Star Trek, you'll like The Secrets of Stargate, which includes our very own Father Corey Stika. The Secrets of Stargate. Stargate is one of the best sci-fi programs ever, and you should, uh, if you haven't watched it, you should watch it and listen to Secrets of Stargate at the same time, you can find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Stargate. Now, before we get into talking about Wish Douche, uh, I want a little bit of Star Trek news. Uh, Captain Kirk is going into space. Uh, that's right. Well, I think think we knew that. That was like <laughs> 1966. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So the actor who plays Captain Kirk, and you've probably seen this in the news, William Shatner, is going into space on a Blue Origin rocket. Uh, That's the Amazon rocket. Uh, Hopefully the deliveries are better than the ones that come to my house. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, at 90 years old, William Shatner is going into space. He will be the oldest person to go into space uh, so far, as we know. Um, Beating John Glenn on that. Yes. Well, beating, um, what was her name? The one who just went up with Branson last week or a few few weeks ago. Oh, sure. Yeah. which I think is funny because I was uh, uh, I was Wally something or other. I forget her last name. As I was looking at the list of the oldest people to go into space, Wally Funk. Um, it turns out Branson was is like number three on the list. So he hmm. I, I yeah. wouldn't put it past him to have brought her along so that he wouldn't be the oldest person on his spaceship. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I could see him doing it for the, the, the pride of saying he was the oldest person in space. Too, that's true. That's true. But Let, let's be honest, some of these people that do these things, they've got some pretty healthy egos. So, yeah, <laughs> I just think it's so cool that the actor who plays Captain Kirk is going to I I have been since I was a small boy, a Kirk fanboy. You know, I mean, I was eight mm-hmm. or nine when I first saw Star Trek. And, you know, Kirk is just, you know, the height of, you know, manly space guy. And so to see Shatner go up there into space, I mean, it's suborbital, of course, it's not like they're orbiting and going to the moon or anything like that. But still, it is so cool that he's getting to go up there into space. I, I guess I'm kind of surprised I didn't realize he was 90 years old. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's been a long time since uh, Star Trek came out. So uh, what, do you, what do you guys think? Is this is this uh, overhyped or I mean, do you, do, you, do you think it's cool or exciting? I, well, I, father, you first. I, I was going to say, I, I, there's in some ways it's kind of cool. In some ways it's kind of like. Yeah, and recognizing that, you know, a lot of these things actually do serve to help 
um, these programs, you know, mm-hmm. develop their their rockets, develop their procedures and so on. So, I mean, there's there is a, a practical aspect of it. You, know, you look at SpaceX as it, it was developing their their rockets and their uh, crew pods and so on. You know, it, so there there is a, a aspect to it that that's that is helpful. But a lot of it's it's like, yeah, this is a joy. Right. And I'm just <laughs> jealous that I'm not able to go on one. Yeah. yeah. Sour grapes. <laughs> Jimmy, how about you? I am just glad that the governments have finally gotten out of the way and allowed Mm -hmm. private industry to start exploiting space because we need to do that. We need to um, we need to uh, go into space. We need to get resources. We need to have regular traffic. Uh, We need to have people not living on Earth all the time. And governments were the with their bureaucratic ways, we're not fostering that. The people to do that are not the governments, it's the private sector. And so I'm really glad to see space tourism starting and I'm glad for William Shatner. And I wouldn't rule out the possibility of myself going someday. I would, I would hopefully, I'd love to have more than just a suborbital hop though. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like if they have tourism service to a station or to the moon or something like that, even if it's just a like cruise around the moon where you don't actually land, you know, I would, I would be interested in that, but maybe by the time I'm 90 years old, they'll have that. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm just glad that manned space exploration is back. That's just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've joked I want to be the first priest to celebrate mass in space. Oh, that would be awesome. There are going I mean, to be there'd some, be some practical concerns for that. Yeah, there'd be some practical <laughs> concerns, but it'd be doable. There'd be ways to do it. Yeah, yeah. That would that would be okay. That's going to be a weird questions question, Jimmy, for the on the mysterious world. The challenges <laughs> for celebrating mass the, in space. The precious blood is the key one, and specifically the commingling, the oh, fraction right, and the admixture of water. Very interesting. Okay. Yes. We, that's a preview, folks. We'll, we'll definitely cover that at some point. All right. So let's talk about Wedge Douche. Uh, Jimmy, can you give us a recap of that? I can. But first, I want to comment on the on something I've noticed with these summaries I do. So I do them both for Secrets of Doctor Who and Secrets of Star Trek. And I want to keep them short. And I count the number of sentences. You know, I just do them as a numbered list in my notes function. And I've noticed consistently, even though Lower Decks is half the length of Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. it requires twice as many sentences (laughs) to describe what happens in an episode. So like uh, the most recent Doctor Who we did, I needed like six sentences for that. Lower Decks, 12 sentences. And yeah. so since it's half the length, but requires twice as long a summary, Lower Decks has like four times the plot density mm. of a Doctor oh, yeah. Who story. That's and it true. really can be even more than that when we're doing classic Who and you've got a, you know, four part or six part story that I can still summarize in six or eight sentences. Mm. Yep, That's true. So lots of running through corridors. <laughs> <Yeah. But laughs> here's today's summary. 
The Cerritos is doing a long-haul warp trek through a barren sector of space, so everybody has the day off. To fill the time, Mariner, Tindy, and Rutherford are doing activities with members of the bridge crew, but Boimler is having trouble finding a bridge buddy to hang out with and advance his career. He ends up pretending to be a Hawaiian to fit in with Commander Ransom and a group of other officers, only to discover that none of them are Hawaiian. They've all been pretending to be Hawaiian to fit in with others. Meanwhile, several other ships are in the same barren region of space, including a Klingon one, a Vulcan one, and a Pakled one. We get to see what's happening with the lower decks on each of these ships, and we meet ambitious square pegs like Boimler, focusing especially on the Klingon and the Vulcan Boimlers. The Klingon Boimler gets his wish and rises to become first officer, only to discover that his captain is dishonorably defying the Klingon High Council and secretly supplying the Pakleds with weapons in an attempt to start a war with the Federation. That's where they've been getting their weapons all this time. The Vulcan Boimler lady is frustrated because she's regarded as a wild card who is totally out of control, even though by human standards she's perfectly reasonable and her efforts end up saving the day. In fact, when the Klingons and Pakleds are on the verge of destroying both the Cerritos and the Vulcan ship, it is her unauthorized side project that keeps everyone from dying. In the end, the Klingon Boimler kills his captain and leaves, recognizing this isn't his ship's fight. The Vulcan Boimler is reassigned to a Federation ship where her perfect reasonableness may be more acceptable. And the human Boimler is shown a sign of respect by Ransom, who thinks of him as the most organized person on the Cerritos. The stage is thus set for a dramatic confrontation with the Klingons and or Pakleds in the season finale. So I should point out that uh, Wedge Douge is Klingon for three ships, which is... And it's total false advertising because (laughs) we actually have the lower decks of like five ships here. Yeah. We've got the the Cerritos, who we normally have. We've got the Klingon ship, the Vulcan ship. That's three. Those are the three we're meant to focus on. But we also get brief looks at the lower decks on uh, the Pac-Led ship and on a Borg cube in the closing (laughs) credits. Yes, yes. (laughs) We we get to that one, too, uh, because that that was kind of very amusing. Um, This episode starts with no teaser again. This goes right into the opening credits, which is interesting. Uh, They've kind of gone back and forth. I don't know if that means anything, but it just thought I'd mention it. They've done it twice now. It's interesting. Um, So the way I kind of approach this is I kind of divided it into three until it all comes together at the end. So because in the show, in the episode itself, it jumps back and forth between the ships. But that's a confusing way to talk about it. So let's start with the, the, the Cerritos. Uh, the, everyone gets a everybody grab a bridge buddy, which is like, yeah. a great line. Um, for, um, Beckett and Freeman pair up, of course, mother daughter. Captain Freeman has a shirt that I want. It says Ritos, Ritos. on it. Yeah. I want a Ritos <laughs> shirt. Come on, Paramount. <laughs> sell me like, Mu- take much, my money. I would much prefer a Ritos shirt to a disco shirt, which is <laughs> yeah, what they're exactly. they're riffing on there. The Discovery shirts. That some, we yep. sometimes see officers wear that yeah. say disco for discovery. That's true. That's true. Actually, yeah, that's a good good point. I totally want a Ritos shirt. Oh, um, I agree. So Boimler, in his before he hooks up with the Hawaiians, uh, the the fake Hawaiians, uh, he keeps trying to connect with other bridge officers and keeps offending them. It's like first it's Kayshawn, mm-hmm. 
And he says something in the Tamarian oh. metaphorical language that picks him off. It, it was it's, like it's, it's great. He first shows up and he like uses a Tamarian metaphor or illusion appropriately, and it's like, oh, you you know some Tamarian? I say, yeah, I studied it in uh, in 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 co- at the academy, and then he starts one and has trouble remembering how to complete it, and takes a guess. And all of a sudden, Kayshawn says, it is extremely difficult to maintain one's weight when one can replicate any food one wants and storms yeah. off. <laughs> he made a crack about his weight. I just thought that was awesome. <laughs> and, and and it's true, actually, you know, as fans, we think about that. Like if you could replicate yeah. anything at, at any time, you know, you'd be living on all the worst food possible. I mean, I would. I have no self-control. So, yeah, exactly. And then, and then he, then he tries with Shax, and totally offends him by saying something innocuous about, "Did you oh, learn how to be sure?" Go ahead. Well, so Shax and Rutherford are doing pot or in a pottery class together. Yeah, and Shax is like channeling his rage into the pottery. You know, it's like his way of de-stressing, and and um, Boimler then says, oh, hey, did you learn how to throw pots back on Bajor? And Shax freaks out because it's like, I had no time to do anything on Bajor except resist. Resistance was everything. I wouldn't do anything as foolish as this. And he, he starts to become violent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's got post-Bajor stress reaction. And yep. Rutherford is like, it's okay, Papa Bear. It's okay, Papa Bear. Put it into the clay. Put it into the clay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the the internet meme version of that movie, Boimler chose violence, which is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did not know that was coming. And then he he tries to connect with uh, T- uh, Tendi and Dr. Ta'ana, who are scaling El Cap a la Captain yep. Kirk as we, the, in Yosemite. Uh, El and Capitan. He, yeah, El Capitan. Sorry, I, I, I have a Mac OS brain. I always I keep calling it El Cap because that's what Mac heads call it. Uh, so in Yosemite and uh, Boimler flies in with the jet boots like a la Spock and, uh, and <laughs> ends up... Uh, messing up with the jet boots because as we all thought about in star trek 5 as long as those jet boots are pointed straight up you're fine but if anything goes wrong and of course the it goes wrong and yes. uh there's a great line where tandy says oh at least the the uh holodeck safeties are on and dr tana says mm, maybe <laughs> or something along those yeah. lines <laughs> yeah. she's like i don't know sure <laughs> yeah, it's like stuck, all that concerned about whether he might die. Uh, so um, and then he doesn't even bother with uh, Freeman and Mariner cause, who are in a uh, target practice in a holodeck. The, the door opens and they're like arguing and shooting. And he's like, I but, none of this. Let me out. Yeah, like he's trying to hit the open button. and It won't open <laughs> as they're sitting there arguing. <laughs> yeah. So the that was I, I thought that was funny, like the the uh, the little montage of those episodes. But that, then it's the. Uh, yeah, they're they're all from Hawaii, including the um, including the Benzite, the Benzite, yeah. which is they can't even breathe our atmosphere without help. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember, and he's going on about the beaches in Hawaii, and he's got his little respirator unit there on his chest to blow atmosphere into his face. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure, and I'm I'm not certain, but I'm pretty sure that the voice actor for both the Benzite. And one of the Vulcans, the Vulcan captain, was the same actor who played Sean on the the Good Place. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm I'm certain that the the Vulcan captain is. Um, mm. Now now I'm looking for the uh, 
Sean was the uh, the demon, right? The bad, the yes, the main, who not was, the main bad guy, but one of the main bad guys who would show up to annoy the the team. Right, right. He became the mm-hmm. eventually the main antagonist. Mark Evan Jackson is the actor's name, and mm-hmm. uh, so he was, was the, the husband of Eleanor from The Good Place. That's right. That's right. So, uh, yeah. So that was that. I just he's a great actor. He's a very funny comic actor. So I want to point that out. Uh, hmm. In the end, what's funny is, is the three fake Hawaiians actually all turn out to have all come from various moons, and therefore they're now moon buddies. And Boimler is still left out because he's from where did he Modesto. say Modesto, Modesto, California. That's right. So it's kind of like a moon. To, <laughs> tries tries to pitch Modesto as a as a kind of a moon for San Francisco. <laughs> And it's like, that is an insult to people from moons everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, it is- that's another that's another example, like you pointed out in last episode, Dom, of how they they pay off the trope you expect and then they go further. Yes. Because the yep. trope you expect is once the I'm not really from a moon starts, it, you expect, OK, none of them are going to be from a moon. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. None of them are from Hawaii. Once I'm not really from Hawaii starts, you're expecting none of them are going to be from Hawaii. But then it turns out they're all from moons. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is a great little comic uh, gag that they that they've kind of latched onto, and you're now that leaves you always waiting for the next step, you know. And so that that's that's a lot of fun. And I like it, how they kind of wrap it up emotionally because not only does Ransom say something nice about Boimler, he sends a cadet. I thought it looked like a cadet. He had sort of a cadet. Yeah, I was uniform. thinking so. Yeah. Uh, and makes Boimler into a mentor for for the cadet. You know, that's I thought that was kind of a nice moment. And it shows the Boimler is growing. Maybe maybe he, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't think he'll ever get well, out of the lower decks as long as the series is going. But um, it's yeah. it's kind of a nice moment of growth for for the character in the midst of the comedy. It's nice to see him getting respect. It's also nice to see at the end of the day that Mariner and Captain Freeman admit to each other that they both actually enjoyed their day together. (laughs) Yes. That was a nice typical mother daughter. (laughs) I hate being with you. Oh, I I love you, mom. Uh, Because Mariner is very much a teenage daughter, right? In a adult body. But yeah, a teenager. Very much that rebellious. Yeah. So let's talk about the Klingon ship, the Shata. Uh, so you have this this lower decker who wants to be first officer by impressing the captain after the captain. They have this moment where the captain duels the old first officer to the death. And so he's like, take this, you know, pata away the, the body of his of the old first officer. And he's like struggling to carry it out. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. It's like very. Uh, um, uh, what's the term? Like a, a bootlicker sort of thing. And so uh, yeah. that was that was a funny scene. Boot and then he had. Yeah. And then he has to take the. Uh, the captain's targ for uh to, for to walkies eat. because <laughs> because it's eaten the leg of the former first officer and needs to walk around until it passes or it'll get gas <laughs> right. yes it's like it's kind of like have the worst boss ever you know like you're, it's like uh what's that movie with uh glenn close where she was like the the, the uh, devil loves prada like a where's prada yeah mm-hmm. uh did i say loves yeah where's yeah. sorry yeah Brain is not connecting with the mouth today. Um, so there was that. And then, yeah, then you have the, as you mentioned, the, the captain of the Klingon ship manipulating the Packlets to fight Starfleet. And, and they connect, they, they hook up with this Packlet ship called the Packlet ship, which that's the name yeah. of the ship. 
pack lead ship pack pack lead clump ship pack lead that's right that's yep. right um and uh and and i like when the pack leads get on the get on facetime with them is are you ready to give us presents yet <laughs> And we have no context for that, but it turns out that makes perfect sense because he's been giving them weapons to use yep. in to harass Starfleet. And in fact, there's one particular weapon they want. They want another fancy space bomb because they tested their previous space bomb on an asteroid and it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's broken now. <laughs> the, the Klingon captain starts to lose his composure. It's like, it's a bomb. That is funny. And it, th this captain kind of falls into another Star Trek trope of the, the rogue Klingon captain, right? We saw that yep. it would create, uh, Krug in Star Trek three. We saw that in Star Trek five with whatever his name was. I don't remember. It doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, and, you know, we just see we you see that in in uh, in Star Trek, you know, the, the rogue Klingon captain. So this is along those lines. And in six, this, I think you mean Kang. They even yep. pre, uh, they even uh, play off of Star Trek six and the Klingon captain in that we get the uh, uh, unleash. The, let's slip and unleash the dogs, the dogs of, war. of war. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes, we yeah, quoting Shakespeare in the original Klingon. Um and then uh yeah, and then we have this duel where he ends up killing the uh the other captain and, and takes off. And when it, when the soon to be new captain, the first officer slash original lower decker guy, um, when he's dueling his captain, it's the Targ that comes to his rescue. Right. And yeah. and if you think about it, the captain hasn't really shown affection or care for his targ. It's just this animal he owns and he fobs it off caring for it to other people. And so by actually paying attention to the targ and taking care of its needs, our lower decker, the Klingon Boimler, ends up bonding with the targ and the targ comes to yep. his defense. Yep. Targs and dogs. Ag they, against they, its legal owner. Yeah. Targs and dogs know who their real uh their real friends are um and then then there's the the vulcan ship the cheval um and we have this vulcan lower decker who goes with her feelings and gut hunches and is <laughs> I, and, I love and, this. And, and in saying that even though she talks about her feelings and it's like i feel that we should do this it's very low key i mean she's not a sirenite or anything yeah she's she's not given over to emotion she's she's still extraordinarily cool and restrained she's yeah. just willing to say things like i feel we ought to do this and then she'll catch herself i think it is logical that we do this <laughs> right, right right or i have a i have a i have a gut feeling or things like that she is and so she but other, the other vulcans are like she is completely out of control <laughs> <laughs> it's the contrast of the you are wildly out of control with the Vulcan calm, the preternatural Vulcan yeah. calm that that it it just it's a very funny comedic uh, you know clashing of what you see yeah. and what you hear. I, I like Those, when her captain acknowledges that she, that yes, she has a point that they need to go investigate this anomaly she's detected, and the reason she's detected the anomaly and what it is is the pack led ship. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and she's, the reason she's detected it is because she, instead of doing her boring maintenance job, she 
took the initiative to extend the range of their sensors. Right. And so she's she she makes the case to the captain that now that they've detected this thing, they should investigate it. It would be illogical not to. And he agrees and then assigns her two days of meditation. <laughs> and and uh, and she doesn't want to do that because she has this other side project that she's near completing. We don't know what it is. Turns out that is going to be extending the functionality of their shields. Right. Which is going to save them once they're in conflict with the Klingons and Pakleds. But we see her in the uh, meditation room and she's got a pad next to her and she can't help working on the shield extension project. And the others are coming in and are like, if you don't meditate, it's just going to be more punitive spirituality. (laughs) 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 And she makes a really good point, which is is logic is not the end. Logic is the beginning of wisdom that that there's more to come. Quoting Spock from uh, Star Trek Six. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah. so, that's, that's what Spock says to uh, uh, Valeris. Right, right. Uh, see, that's the thing I like. One of the things I like about Lower Decks is it's funny, but they right. mind, they, they, they respect the heritage that they have in, in the show, you know, so that's really awesome. Well, one thing I think was kind of interesting is the way that the, uh, the actor voiced this character is it almost sounded like... Uh, like your your you know Google Assistant or Siri, where it, the cadence is different than normal human speech. Uh huh. You know, it had just kind of a different flow to it, where it wasn't a typical you know human speaking in a monotone. It was there's kind of that that lilt or how, I can't think of exactly how to describe it, but you know if you if you've asked you know your your assistant some questions, it'll speak in a way where it's clear that it's putting the 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 the, the phrenomes together that doesn't quite fit kind of how humans naturally do it. And there's been a change recently with Alexa um, because I have it read lots of audiobooks, or I have it read lots of audiobooks to me, but I also have have it read lots of Kindle books to me Mm -hmm. where it's using a, instead of being voiced by a human actor, it's using its text to speech synthesis synthesizer. And, um, and they've, they've in the last month or two, there's been a change that downloaded in the background to how it inflects things. And so mm-hmm. it, to spice it up a bit, because it's a very normal, calm delivery, and they decided yeah. to try to give uh, Alexa more emotion. And so <laughs> it looks now for words and inappropriately makes them make certain sentences dramatic. <laughs> so I'll be listening <laughs> to some analytical text about, you know, history of science or something. And, and then she'll say something her t- and she'll be going along normally, you know, talking about how the atom is believed to be composed of three fundamental particles, uh, the proton, the neutron and the electron and the electron. But then in the 1960s, some scientists began proposing that protons and neutrons were actually made of quarks. And it just it, it, it adopts this hostile dramatic tone all of a sudden out of nowhere and it's like guys it's comical put it back the way it was <laughs> just, just because it says but then it doesn't mean it's a dramatic change yeah <laughs> that's funny so yeah we need to lend to, to voice uh, the echoes in the uh, the series so um she yeah so she had her side project turns out to be this regenerative regenerative shielding that she had a hunch would be needed and that's what saves them all. But nevertheless, Vulcan's being very stodgy and rigid. Uh, she's being reassigned to a Starfleet vessel. And 
my guess is I wonder which it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've had, we have a new regular character that's going to be on Lower Decks, which I think it'll be fun to have a Vulcan in there. At least a guest character. I hope it'd be nice if they make her a regular. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you mentioned the two other lower decks, the pack led lower decks, which basically consisted of a bunch of them sitting around. And <laughs> that was great. Cl- I am hungry. You should eat. You are smart. <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the background, the klaxon is going red alarm, red oh, alarm. Yeah. <laughs> I love the red alarm. That's great. <laughs> it's just so blah, like red alarm. So, someone, someone on Reddit took that, took it right out of the audio stream and and edited it so it's just that. Oh. <laughs> just the red alarm and put it out as a ringtone. So I want to use that as my uh, my text alert, my text message alert. Red alarm, red alarm. I might slip that in as my wife's uh, alarm clock sound. <laughs> and then she'll kill me. <laughs> this is my yep. last episode, folks. <laughs> that was that was really funny, though, the way that and then it's what what great writing on this show. I mean, yeah. red alert. OK, so yeah. the pack led version is going to just be red alarm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the the weapon wasn't a bomb; it was a boomer. Yes, they yes, call it a yeah. boomer. We need another right, boomer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the fifth one you mentioned, Jimmy, is the Borg ship, which doesn't figure into the plot at all. But we have to see, you know, what is lower decks on a Borg ship like? And it's just a bunch of drones plugged into their around. alcoves, standing there <laughs> yep. doing nothing. Yeah, during and regeneration. Yeah. And it, unlike all the other lower decks we've seen, they have like no drama going on <laughs> lo- lower nothing. decks <laughs> on the board cube. Yes, there. well, that's the point. The entire board cube is the lower decks. <laughs> there are no well, upper except decks. The, except the queen. Except the queen. Yeah. Right, right. Everything else is lower decks. So, uh, and they, they really, they committed to that joke through the entire credits was the, the, the blooping, the bleeping of the Borg stuff and nothing else. And so that, I just love that. uh, Nothing changed. Yeah. Like that commitment to the joke, which is, which was good. So um, anything else about this episode you wanted to say, Father Corey? Um, I think that was, I think we covered pretty much everything. There was a, a, uh, um, Boimler had, was worried about being demoted. If, you know, if, if they find out he's not really from Hawaii and being demoted and, put on a penal colony where we have to mate with the enemy to form new civilizations. (laughs) (laughs) That's random. Yeah, that is pretty random. (laughs) Jimmy, how about you? Yeah, when he said that line, I kept trying to think, have they, is that a reference to an episode? That's what I was trying to figure out too. And I I, I couldn't figure one out, but. It's probably intentionally to get you, like to get us like, that's going to be a reference and send us off on a wild goose chase. Um, so one thing we didn't mention is that the title of the episode, Wedge Doj, is not just uh, Klingon. It's the first Klingon episode title we've had. Yeah. It's also written in Klingon script on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, which was neat. Yeah. Um, that's definitely a first. Also, I I really liked how this episode. Now, this is a high concept episode because we're skipping from ship to ship looking at how lower decks play out elsewhere, but it very effectively sets up a a dramatic season finale because we've been having this pack led war, low key kind of low key war all season happening in the background. And this ties into that and it sets us up for a big confrontation next time. And it was very dramatic. I mean, we Mm -hmm. have stuff. I mean, the Klingon captain dies in this. Yeah. You know, um, the Cerritos and the Vulcan ship are only saved at the last minute. There is a lot of drama in the second half of this. Uh, The first half is is lighter, but then in the final act, it really gets serious. 
and um and i just i just was impressed by the by the plotting and the writing and i'm looking forward to the next episode and i don't want to wait too long for season three (laughs) yeah Yeah, no kidding come on paramount (laughs) let's get let's get on the ball we want uh, season three sooner rather than later uh, yeah, yeah and f- you know, you could like cancel Discovery and just do two seasons of of lower decks every <laughs> yeah, year. That would go. be great. Yeah. <laughs> we may also want to yep. have an ex- another season of Strange New Worlds. That's that's my guess, but we'll yep. see. Uh, well, to tide you over, they've they've released volume one of the uh, the soundtrack right. for Lower Decks. So you can go and listen to that, including the the acid the Klingon acid punk song. <laughs> awesome. The Mariner Tendi episodes. So you can go and listen to that as well. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the, a good point, by the way, is next week is the uh, the last uh, episode of this season. It's the uh, season finale. And then we'll be heading back into our regular discussions of uh, of the other Star Trek series. Uh, I think our next one is Shore Leave, actually, if, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Mm. No, it's actually. Um, well, we'll we'll get to it, but yeah, it's something we recorded before Lower Decks started. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think it's. um. The War Without the War Within, which is a Discovery first season episode. So, oh. Yay! When, when, when is it again that the new Discovery season is premiering? Um, Mid-November, I think. Okay, is. so there's going to be a gap of a month or so. Yeah, yeah. Before there's new Star Trek streaming. But it'll be longer than that before you hear about Discovery here on Secret to Star Trek because yep. we're not going to subject you to all of its flaws on a weekly basis. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I think we mentioned before, but bears repeating for, for those who might be just coming in. Uh, we are, we usually will talk about new episodes of currently airing seasons as they come out. We have decided that three seasons of discovery doing that is enough. None of us are all that invested in discovery and, it's, no, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, every it's 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 nice to have a mix of episodes where we can praise an episode or rip into an episode if it's really bad. But you don't want rip into it every week for three months, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It it get it got it gets old, and that third season was just there was very very few things from my point of view, very few things mm-hmm. that I was happy to praise. You know, there was a, and a lot that was blah. So. And there's also going to be Prodigy, Star Trek Prodigy is going to be starting up here at the end of the month as well. Yep, that's true. That's true. Now, that's unfortunately not going to be on Paramount Plus, right? It's just going to be on Nickelodeon? I don't know. Yeah. It, it shows Paramount Plus originals, so. Hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it, I, I think uh, at least IMDb is showing, you know, that it's going to be on Paramount. Now, oh, and okay. IMDb that can be, be unreliable, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and it, it is showing on their, their little uh, uh, flyer or whatever you want to call it there. A poster that it is a Paramount Plus original, so okay. it might be in conjunction with Nickelodeon, right? But, and it might show on Nickelodeon eventually. But it's billed as a kids show, but it might be worth we, you know we're going to kind of take it as it comes and see is this something we want to talk about on the regular, and so we might might slip that yep. in as instead. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, just a little behind the scenes, folks. So let's uh, wrap things up. We do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create. The Secrets of Star Trek, including Eric Yu, Sean K, Anthony C, James S, and Michael C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And so that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you think of Douche, this Lower Decks series. 
uh, episode uh, from the Lower Deck series. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. And we'll be back next time when we will be discussing that next new episode, the season finale of Lower Decks. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Don. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you. Live long and prosper and kapla! And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, your rebellion will only lead to punitive spiritualism. 